If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to stand with me for the reading of the word of the Lord this morning. Amen. We're going to be taking uh, communion here in a few moments, but I want to take some time to talk about a few things. Uh, I'd like to direct your attention to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. Amen. We're going to begin reading with verse number 23. And while you're turning there, amen, beginning next Sunday, we start the uh, promotion of, of, if you will, uh, where we're encouraging all the kids to come faithfully to Sunday school. Uh, the kids, the top four attendees for the first quarter of, the, of this year uh, will be taking the Sunday school kids to, I believe it's the Oakland Zoo. Uh, and they'll, they'll correct me if I'm wrong later. Uh, and uh, and then so there's three events we're doing for each of the first three quarters of the new year. One of them is the Oakland Zoo, taking all the kids that are the top four attendees, uh, and their their trip will be paid. And then the other the other uh, place we'll be going is the California Academy of Sciences in San Francisco. And then the third uh, trip we're going to be taking for the kids uh, is going to be the uh, Golden Gate Bridge and the trampoline park there in Chrissy Field. And they're going to be having a wonderful time. Do you have the schedule? Uh, the first one is Sky Zone. The first one is Sky Zone. See, I knew I was incorrect. Mm-hmm. And where is that one, Sister Raina? Sky Zone and I believe it is in Stockton. Stockton. It's a trampoline park. And that will be on the 18th of April. Okay, so that's happening in April. And then the second event? Oakland Zoo is the second event. The third event will be the California Academy of Sciences. They're one of those. So we'll keep you abreast of what's happening, but the first one is Sky Zone, taking the kids to the trampoline park in Stockton and having a great, great time. Uh, also, uh, Sister Gina has printed up some of these. Uh, there's a couple of papers she's printed out. Uh, if you're interested in doing it, it is uh, a Bible reading plan to be able to read the Bible through in one year. And there's different days that you'll check off, and it has the uh, assigned uh, scripture reading. And if you stick to the plan, you'll be able to read the Bible through from cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, in one year. So by the time December 31st comes around, uh, you'll be on the last few chapters of the Bible, and you can be able to say and have the experience of reading the Bible through. Um, It is... Uh, it may sound like uh, I can do that whenever I want to, but you know what? It takes uh, determination and consistency. Uh, I read the Bible through uh, once or twice. Uh, the, the, my, my problem is is I see something and I start jumping around, uh, and then you get stuck on one verse, and you're reading that for sitting to that for an hour, and you're like, oh, man, this is not happening. But having a plan will really help you to stay grounded in reading the word of the Lord. But if you're interested in this, and just see Sister Gina after, she has a couple different ones. But the main one there is uh, the chronological or the, the plan to read the Bible through from cover to cover in one year. Uh, you will find, Amen, that there is so much in the Bible, Amen. Things you you didn't you you just never thought was in the Bible, and the Bible covers almost every topic you'll ever cover in life. It'll it'll uh, it'll really help you so much. Um, that's all I'm going to say about that right now. But if you're interested, see Sister Regina afterwards. Uh, and let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, verse 23. Amen. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is a new testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. And he writes in verse 27, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread... And drink this cup of the Lord unworthily. Say that word with me, unworthily. Unworthily. That's not unworthy. That's unworthily. It's a different word. Shall be guilty of the blood of the body and blood of the Lord. 
But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, amen, those that drink uh, of the cup and take of the bread unworthily, amen, if you don't do it uh, the right way without first cleansing your heart and searching your soul, amen, and you don't have the right uh, attitude and mindset when you're taking the Lord's Supper, amen. The Bible says, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. In other words, there's repercussions, amen, to entering into uh, this uh, practice without searching your heart, first of all. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Uh, but when you are judged, we are chaste of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brother, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together Unto condemnation and the rest will I set in order when I come. So this is the writing of the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth. Uh, here that we're reading. He is reciting uh, a scenario that took place uh, some years prior. As the Lord partook of the, the last supper. What is, what is we usually call the last supper. The Lord partook of the supper with his disciples the night before his crucifixion. And. He set in motion practices that we are to uphold and to keep. Amen. The Bible says as oft as ye uh, do this, as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Uh, I like for us to set our Bibles down and I like for us to pray. And I would like for us to just simply ask the Lord, amen, that he would talk to. I want you to pray this personally. God, talk to my heart today. God, I pray you speak to me today, God. God, we come before you right now in this place. We're asking you right now, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. God, as we enter into this, uh, this practice, God, this tradition in the word of the Lord, I, I pray today, God, that you would prepare our hearts, that you would search us, God. God, we're going to talk a little bit more here about this scripture, this passages. And I pray, God, that you would deposit something into our souls, into our spirits, God. May the presence of the Lord be felt in this house today, God. We need you. We can't do without you today, Lord. We thank you today, God. We give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Can be seated today. Amen. I'm going to just simply title this. I'm going to talk for a few moments today on this topic. Eating at the Lord's table. Eating at the Lord's table. Uh, it would be an honor today if you would... Uh, if the Lord would allow you to, your eyes to be open, you to see a table spread here in the front. And to know that the Lord had prepared a table of things for you to enjoy. And the Lord sat at the head of the table. And it would be an honor of a lifetime for the Lord Jesus to say, Janet, I want you to come and I want you to sup with me. Brother Nathan, I want you to come. I want you to sit down at the table. I want to break bread with you. I want to fellowship with you. It would be the honor of a lifetime. Amen. To say I had a meal with the Lord. And the way that he talked to me. And all the things you would describe. Uh, the experience you'd have with the Lord. It would be the highest honor of a lifetime. Amen. Especially if you were at that table of the 12 disciples. Or the 11, the 12 disciples. On that night before the crucifixion. And the Lord had this table spread. We've all seen the paintings and pictures. That artists have tried to portray. Of the last supper of Jesus and his disciples. And John the beloved. That was leaning on the bosom of the Lord. And, and, and the, the picture shows. Judas Iscariot. Dipping the, 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 the bread. Uh, 
uh, and, and the Lord at the same time touching the bread and, and God giving the sign that Judas was the one that was going to betray him. And it would be the honor of a lifetime to be able to say that I had the meal with the Lord. And, and the things that the Lord spoke to me and the way that he's, he delivered that message, it affected me for a lifetime. Uh, no doubt if you had uh, advance notice of a meal you would have with the Lord. Uh, there would be many of us that would begin to prepare our lives and our hearts and our dress and our attire and the way that we present ourselves because we would want him to be pleased with us. We would want the Lord to be able to look at us and say, I'm pleased with your lifestyle. I'm pleased with the way that you're living. And we would want to put our best foot forward and project uh, project a certain uh, lifestyle of, of consecration and living for the Lord. And every time, amen, that we wake up, every day that we wake up, there is a table that is spread for you and for me. As the Lord desires to have fellowship, desires to have communion with you and with me. And although we take the communion uh, going forward, we'll be taking it at least once a year uh, there is a time of communion that the Lord would desire to have with each one of us on a daily basis. Uh, I have been to uh, a couple of fine dining establishments and everybody as they get ready to go to uh, perhaps it may be either a, a Ruth Chris Steakhouse or uh, a Brazilian Steakhouse or a, a very... A nice Italian dining establishment. You would put on your uh, a very nice set of clothing. You would get prepared. You would get ready because it is a nice experience. And you prepare yourself for that time when you go to that restaurant. And you try to conduct yourselves. And you try to have all the proper manners. And you try to spread the napkin in a triangle with the point facing away from you and, and you're very particular about the, the forks and the, you think about the, the proper way to, to eat food and, and the silverware goes from the outside inward and you begin with this, the salad and, and there's a process and, and there's a way in which you go about those things right. and you use the knife and the fork together and you don't put your hand and, and you, go, you can go down the list. You can get very proper and very uh, uh, have this certain level of etiquette uh, but you approach that particular meal with uh, carefulness and, and, and gracefulness. And, and we're talking today about eating at the Lord's table. And the, the, the relationship that the Lord wants to have with each one of us, the Lord wants that same carefulness of mindset that you have in approaching the things of God. Amen. Not just showing up to church and, and the things of God haphazardly. Uh, not just kind of giving God leftovers uh, at the end of your day uh, and, and just exhausting, just throw yourself in a bed and say yeah. a quick prayer. But God wants carefulness in the approach that you and I have with fellowship with the Lord. And in this particular passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, uh, the Lord begins to, uh, the Apostle Paul begins to tell us of what that last supper was like. As the disciples dying with the Lord. And the words that the Lord used uh, to talk to the disciples. There are a couple of components I want to talk about for a moment here this morning. Uh, the first component that we uh, read about in 1 Corinthians is the bread. Everyone say the bread. bread. Amen. This is not just any uh, type of bread that we read about in 1 Corinthians. But it's perhaps probably in the, the church that you're going to only hear the term unleavened bread. Uh, you could probably go through your, your life outside of the church and never hear this term. Uh, but the scripture, the King James used the term unleavened bread. And the leaven that is oftentimes in the bread is simply the, the yeast that is put as the ingredient to cause the bread to rise and to puff up. And to be filled, uh, it's, it's, the, the, it's a yeast to help seed with fermentation. It is a substance in the bread that, is, that makes it rise, that makes it puffy, that makes it stand up. And in the Bible, this term leaven is a type of sin. 
The leaven that the Bible talks about uh, is a type of sin. And when the Bible uses the term unleavened bread, which is a type of bread that was taken at the Lord's Supper, it is making symbolic reference to a life of a sinless life that the Lord lived before you and I. Uh, The Lord's body was broken just as and the bread will be broken here momentarily as we uh, put it into our mouths and we digest it. Uh, But the symbolism of unleavened bread is a life lived without sin, a life that was spotless, a life that was clean. And it symbolizes to you and to me today that we are to strive to live a life that is pleasing before the Lord. We are to strive to live a life that is void of sin and to live above reproach. Amen. Someone say praise the Lord. Lord. In the Bible, leaven is a type of wrongs, false doctrine or error representing the things which puff up a person or exalt a person and bring about pride. Uh, There must be a relinquishing of uh, these things. Amen. We've got to allow the Lord to take these struggles and the areas of our life as we lay them on an altar and we uh, allow the Lord to cleanse us and to wash us and to purify us. We mentioned a moment ago that symbolically no sin or leaven was found in the life of Jesus Christ. And to accurately represent His body because that is what we are called to do to reflect Him to this world around us. We are to live a life above reproach. We are to live a life of keeping sin out of our lives. And so the unleavened bread symbolizes a life uh, with uh, living above sin. Um, the, the, the cup that the Bible talks about that we'll drink here in a moment symbolizes the actual blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's, it's not the actual blood of Jesus, but is a representative of his blood. Forgive me. It is representative of his blood. The partaker becomes his body after eating the bread, and the bread symbolizes his body which was broken for us. The cup symbolizes his blood that was shed for us in order to seal the new covenant. Uh, I am thankful, and the word of God says it, that the blood uh, is there for the remission of sins. The the, the cup that we drink uh, symbolizes the blood of Jesus that has covered us and from all of our sins and has washed us from all of our transgressions and and all of our past mistakes and all of our past failures. And these are uh, symbols. These are things for us to uh, see in the, the communion. Uh, and we are to be reminded of things. Uh, and, there are, and that leads me to my next point today. That there are two views when taking the communion. The first view is uh, a point of view of reflecting on the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The way that we approach communion is by reflecting back on that that man that was crucified, Jesus Christ, the the God of glory being crucified on the cross. And we remember, amen, Calvary's uh, heel of suffering. We remember Calvary and we look back on it with the respect, uh, with awe and with humility, with thanksgiving and with love. The first view in communion is a looking back to Calvary and remembering the things that God did for us that day as He hung on a cross and died for our sins. And I am thankful today that even though I have sinned and I have messed up, that there is the blood of Jesus that has washed away a multitude of sins in my life. Some of us did not grow up in church and we did not live the way that some other folks lived. But for those of you that didn't grow up in church and were exposed to all sorts of things, or maybe you were in the church and still exposed to so many things, and your life was filled with pain and regret and heartache, and sin was, amen, the song of the day, and shame was the song of your past. Amen. I'm here to tell you today that the blood of Jesus can still wash a multitude of sins away. The Bible says, amen, in the New Testament, uh, 
uh, talking about all of the different types of sinners. And then the, the, the writer goes on to say, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, and ye are cleansed because of the blood of Jesus Christ. May we never forget, may we never get to a point where we think we are so good and so righteous that God is not uh, still merciful and God is not the one that has cleansed us. But I want to remember back, amen, to a time when I hit my knees on an old-fashioned altar of repentance, amen, and I began to repent of my sins. I still remember the day, amen, when when I made my way to an altar and I said, God, take my life. Cleanse me, wash me, purify me, sanctify me. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for the blood that was shed. It's not just the blood that washes. But there's also got to be a breaking of bread. There's also got to be in your life, in everyone's life, a breaking of your will at an altar. Where you say, God, not my will, but your will be done. Not what I want, God, but what you want. I will be broken before the Lord. The second point of view that we discover in communion is a time to look forward, amen, to the rapture of the church and the coming of the Lord. Amen. The the second point of view is, is looking forward. And as we begin 2020, I am looking forward to what God will do in and through this church. But beyond just 2020 and what will unfold, amen, the Bible says no man knows the day nor the hour when the Son of Man will come. But I am looking forward to one day if I live righteous and if I live holy and if I live ready. But one day there will be a trumpet of the Lord that sounds. And the Bible says that the church is going to be raptured. And it's going to be called away from this terra firm, from this world. And we will meet the Lord in the clouds of glory. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. I'm looking forward to that day and I want to live rapture ready. I want to be ready for the coming of the Lord. So that is the second point of view in the Lord's Supper, in the communion that we take here in a moment. The Bible talks about in verse number 27 and verse number 29. It uses the word that you and I probably haven't heard before, unless you've read this verse of scripture, but it uses the word unworthily. Can you say that with me one more time? Unworthily. That is not unworthy. It's a different word. Uh, It would be easy to look at that particular word in this passage of scripture and disqualify ourselves by saying we're not worthy to take the Lord's Supper. But the word is not unworthy. It is unworthily. And the difference is unworthy is an adjective that describes a person. Unworthily is an adverb that describes the action that is taking place. So in other words, it's how you approach this this practice here this morning. Uh, We don't take the Lord's Supper frivolously and we certainly don't take it unworthily. Uh, Does this mean that only those who are worthy may approach the Lord's table? If so, then every single one of us would be excluded from taking the Lord's Supper this morning. It is not the unworthiness of persons, but rather the unworthiness of actions that the Apostle Paul speaks of here in Corinthians. And as strange as it may sound, listen to me for a moment, it is possible for an unworthy person to partake worthily. It is possible for an unworthy person to take part of this, to take part worthily. In a sense, only those who sincerely feel their unworthiness are in a right state to approach the table. 
In other words, it's with, it's with that humility uh, that we approach the communion, we approach the Lord's Supper. It is uh, to be noted that in the scriptures, it is the writer of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul, that states, I am the chief among, I am chief among sinners. Amen. So if Paul was uh, as such and he felt so unworthy, uh, how would he be able to partake of this? But it is the unworthy attitudes, amen, that the writer is talking about that are the deterrents. Let me break it down. Uh, as I mentioned a moment ago, unworthy is an adjective meaning without merit or value, worthless and not deserving. But unworthily is an adverb meaning irreverent and unfit or in an unworthy manner. Unworthily has to do with the manner and the spirit, the conduct and the attitude in which we take communion today. So it goes back to the inner part of a person and how you approach and your attitude and your response to the things of God. And if you're harboring bitterness, if you're harboring strife or anger, if you're, if you're harboring a grudge or, or if you haven't let go of things in your life and you're not willing to allow the Lord to, to come into your heart, amen, you can be taken unworthily. And so in a few moments today, we're going to search our hearts according to the scriptures that we might take the Lord's Supper worthily. The Bible says, makes note of that word remembrance. This do ye in remembrance of me. As often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Remembrance is a key word there. Every time a group of believers comes together to celebrate the Lord's Supper, they are remembering in a special way the death of Christ, which freed them from their sins. They're remembering what it was like that first service they walked into church. They're remembering the cross of Calvary. We remember his death as a crowning event in his ministry. And we recognize that it is not just by Jesus' life and teaching, but also by a sacrifice that we are saved. It is not just by the life and the teaching of Jesus that we live on, but it's also by the crucifixion and the death, his sacrifice by which we're saved. Amen. So many people want to just stay in the life and the teachings of Jesus. But don't want to make the trek or don't want to across the bridge. Uh, don't want to connect the dots and also identify with the sacrifice and the death of Jesus on the cross. Right. We want to stay in and we want to stay in the Beatitudes and, and the good parables. Uh, but when it comes to making a sacrifice and laying our lives and our will down on the altar, amen. We we want to we, we want to forget that part of the scripture, but we are saved not just by the life and the teachings, but also by the sacrifice and identifying with his sacrifice in our lives. The Lord's Supper, the communion serves as an object lesson of the incarnation that Jesus was God in the flesh as the bread was broken. A real thing. Jesus was God in the flesh. He was fully God and fully man at the self-same moment. Amen. He was not just uh, some fictitious uh, thing of someone's imagination. He was not just a good teacher, but he was God in in the flesh. Amen. The Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten. It is an object lesson of atonement. Bread and wine are a picture of death. The separation of the body and the blood. The bread tells us that the bread of life must be broken in death in order to be distributed among the hungry. Amen. The Bible says, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit today. And I want to God that there would be some apostolic believers that allow the Lord, amen, to break their will at an altar to be broken before the 
revival because the only way for there to be revival, for there to be reproduction and replication is for you to hit your knees at an altar and be broken before the Lord. Brokenness. We don't get excited about brokenness, but we need brokenness. The poured out wine tells us that his blood must be shed in death for cleansing power to be supplied to sin-stained souls. And now, the Bible says in verse number 28, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Let a man examine himself. I cannot set up some machine with wires, put it on your brain, and examine your brain. I might be able to see radio waves or whatever that goes on in there, but I won't, go, I won't know what's really going on in your head. You have to examine yourself. Every person must examine themselves. Self-examination is a must before communion. Our hearts should be free of condemnation, of guilt, and sin when we take communion. Our hearts should be cleansed this morning. I'd like for us to take a few moments this morning as we have a little bit of music. And I'd like for us at this moment in the service to... Close your eyes to begin to pray. And I want you to talk to God for yourself this morning. I want you to begin to just talk to the Lord. And I want you to begin to pray this prayer. God, search my heart. Cleanse me, Lord. God, if there's anything that's in me that's not right with you, if there's anything, God, that's in me, I want you to cleanse me. I want us to take some time, just a few moments here this morning. And I want us to just begin to talk to the Lord. We'll take a few moments this morning. If there's anything you've got in your heart, you've harbored a grudge or bitterness, or you haven't forgiven somebody this morning, those are things that would cause you to drink unworthily this morning. I want everybody under the sound of my voice, I want you to begin to praise. And I want you to begin to talk to God for yourself. Jesus, I pray right now, Lord, that you would search my heart, God. Anything that's in me, Lord, cleanse me. Anything, God, that's in me. Forgive me, Lord. Presumptuous or not, God. Pray, God, that you would cleanse every one of our hearts, God. Purify my motives, God. Purify my motives, Lord. Cleanse my mind, my heart, my soul.
take a few moments and just talk to the Lord this morning. Come on, God's speaking to you deeply this morning. God's speaking deeply to some folks here this morning. God, if there's anything that's in me that's not right, Cleanse us of sin, God, secret sins today. Cleanse us, Lord, of all unrighteousness, Lord. Brother Noah to make his way to the front area here. Amen. We've prepared the cup and the, the wafer, the unleavened bread. I like our bishop. So Cameron, if you come up here.
what we'll do is if we could all stand to our feet amen we're going to start with this section here where the roll is and we're going to work away from the back pew and forward and as the one behind you the row behind you empties out we're going to get into the forward line we're going to make our way we're going to go around the back for the row you come and just grab a cup says for I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took the bread and when he had given thanks he brake it Take heed, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do ye in remembrance of me. And now the bread. Verse 25. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is a new testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. And now the cup. I'd like for us to pray and just walk, talk to the Lord. Jesus. God,
our voice and praise before the Lord of heaven this day, God. God, we're one with you this morning, this afternoon, Lord. We're identified with the body that was broken, the blood that was shed on Calvary. We remember the sacrifice for our sins, Lord. We remember God Calvary's heal of sorrow. We love you. We say thank you today, Lord. We Show forth your death until you come. Help us to live a life of sacrifice. Help us to live a life that reveals your life to this world, your dying to this world. Unite us, Lord, as one body today. Unite us, Lord, as one today. Come on, I want us to lift our voice. I want us to praise Lord. We're not worthy, God, but you, God, have allowed us to approach your presence, your table. We're eating at the Lord's table this day. God, it is as though we are in that upper room, Lord, where that supper was last held. And we remember your sacrifice. We remember that sacrifice, Lord. Help us to live, God, above sin, above reproach. Help us to remember the unloving bread, God, alive, above sin. Help us to remember the blood that was shed on Calvary. The body of Christ. Hallelujah. God's speaking to some people here this morning. There are some things He wants you to lay down. Hear this preacher this day. God is saying what you've laid down, don't pick it back up. Remember the unleavened bread. Don't allow your life to be filled with things that do not belong there. Remember the brokenness of our Lord as you want to go out and do your thing. And God says, I want to be, I want you to be broken in my presence. Because in the brokenness of your life, amen, that beautiful aroma, that scent of his glory can come forth from that brokenness of your life. Hallelujah, what the blood has covered, what the blood has washed. Don't go back and pick it up again.
Don't let the devil lie to you anymore. Come on, 2020 is the year. Amen. This is the year where we live above sin, above reproach. We live in victory. Amen. We refuse to let the things of our past bog us down. We let go of bitterness. We let go of spite. We let go of grudges. We let go of hurt feelings. We lay them at an altar. The blood of Jesus has covered the sin and the shame of our past. And we are broken in His presence. simply says, I'll cherish the old way cross. So I'll cherish the old
Taking the wine. He sent them on their way with no plan B. He said, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to go on that cross. I'm going to allow them to nail me to it. I'm going to die for you and for the rest of this world. But he, want, he said, I want you to go into all the world. And I want you to preach this gospel. I want you to teach all nations. And I want you to make disciples. He went on to do what he was destined to do. But he left the church with a mission, a commission. That we are to go out and we are to make disciples. So where we go from the conclusion of this service today. Is we are to go out and we are to be witnesses. We are to make disciples. We are to teach people about the things of God. And it's not just a commission for the preacher in the pulpit. It's a commission for the church. Go ye into all the world and preach this gospel. Teach the nations. Teach them to observe everything I've taught you. That is what we're supposed to do. As we leave this building, this service today. I challenge each and every one of you today to go out and to be a witness and remember, amen, the death of Christ, the body, the bread, the the wine, the blood, amen, and let your life be a life of sacrifice where you say, God, lead me and guide me, not my will, but your will be done, Amen. amen, and I believe we'll go out with that uh, mindset, with that attitude, With that vision, we will see things come back to us. We will see this church filled up. It won't be because one person did it all. It will be because everybody said, God spoke to me to go into all the world. And I'm just doing what God's told me to do. I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus. I'm going to be a witness. I'm going to let the Lord use me this year like never before. Amen. God bless you. Turn around. Shake someone's hand. If you have the cup and the the wrappings, Amen. Brother Noah has a plate. He's gonna have. A, he's gonna go to every one of you, and you can just put it in the plate. And he'll dump it for you, Amen. So we don't make a mess, Amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you back here tomorrow night for Monday night prayer or Wednesday night midweek.